Hello everyone, this is Sana Rose and you're listening to the 7th episode of the Righteous Way podcast. It's been a while since the last episode and I don't want to launch into how crazy the past fortnight has been, not to mention how exhausting. I hope everyone's doing a pretty job of staying safe. Our lockdowns have been lifted generally with exceptions in certain containment zones. I cannot express enough how much I long for the world to go back to its normal state. Well, obviously, you all are longing for the same. So let's hope things change. No matter how hopeless the world seems right now, this is going to end someday soon. So today I'm here with answers to a few questions I had received while I was collecting topics before starting this podcast. I'm skipping the names of the individuals who sent me the questions because not everyone would want it to be mentioned and I have to maintain uniformity in anonymity. I had received a few on mental health and self-improvement and things like that. I will begin with the question with the shortest answer. This answer is short, but mind you, it is put first here because it is crucial and me talking about it over a podcast is never sufficient to address it. So here we go. The first question we have here is is there any way to bring back a person to normal life who has lost complete hope the short answer is yes that's what therapy is for such complete loss of hope could be a symptom of clinical depression and it requires immediate medical attention it requires counseling therapy as well as medication in case of severe depression Depression is still very underrated in our society. On one side, it is not talked about until someone takes their own life. On the other side, people scatter it carelessly across their social media posts with hashtags like depressed under a picture of a person looking at the sunset, normalizing its misuse, thereby invalidating and sliding the actual problem. we turn a blind eye at it so easily owing to the stigma attached to mental disorders but depression is a diagnosable psychological disorder that calls for intervention from professionals if anybody you know might be going through this prompt them to seek professional help do not take chances on them The second question we have here is how to balance between work and your mental health. The answer to this is pretty basic by prioritizing rightly. We will have different needs at different times. Priorities keep changing accordingly. Priorities are what we make time for. So when it comes to balancing between work and mental health, we need to understand what we need most at that particular moment. Work is indispensable but working overtime can result in burnout. Now what is a burnout? Burnout spells like a casual word you would use every day but it is that common. 
we underestimate burnout because many don't even believe it is something of concern. Many don't even know that it exists. It doesn't sound exactly like some medical terminology, but it is not any less although it is not a psychological disorder that can be diagnosed. A lot of its symptoms are akin to those of depression and untreated burnouts for longer periods of time can eventually pave the path to depression. So here's what a burnout can do. Burnout can leave you feeling exhausted, empty and unable to cope with the demands of life. It may be accompanied by other mental and physical symptoms as well. It is a health problem that can make day-to-day -day living and functioning impossible if left unaddressed. A little history of burnout now. This term was coined in 1974 by Herbert Frodenberger in his book titled Burnout, the High Cost of High Achievement. His definition of burnout goes like this. The extinction of motivation or incentive, especially where one's devotion to a cause or relationship fails to produce the desired results. If you experience the three main dimensions, that is, exhaustion, cynicism, which is the reduced identification with the job, like you start hating your job, and thirdly, reduced professional ability, you might be going through a burnout due to chronic stress from your job. Burnouts don't result only from stress associated with your work life, but your lifestyle in general can add to it. Freight so patterns like perfectionism, pessimism, etc. would add to it too. Now, this can wreak havoc in your life when you no longer enjoy your job, hate going to work or feel no satisfaction from your job because, well, most of our awake time is spent working which is a necessity. Here is a checklist to find if you are experiencing a burnout or not. 1. Do you feel alienated from work-related activities? Do you feel numb, stressed or frustrated when you think about your work? 2. Do you experience unexplained aches and pains like headaches, stomach aches, muscle pains or gastrointestinal issues? Stress and anxiety is a major cause of IBS, that is irritable bowel syndrome. 3. Do you feel empty, drained and exhausted? Do you feel unable to get work done? Does your work get dragged day after day and efforts you need to take seem humongous? 4. Do you have problem focusing on your tasks? Are you distracted more often and do you resort to coping habits and spend too much time carelessly only to realize you are making things worse for yourself? 5. Do you feel like your creativity is dipping? So, there are many more things that you could check on, but this sort of encapsulates what a burnout looks like. So, if your answer is yes to most of this, I advise that you see a mental health professional to help you find what is happening. Now back to the question, how do you balance? The idea is to recognize what is best for you. 
Make lists of what truly matters to you. Cut short on things or interactions that drain your energy and time without any fruits towards your goals and dreams. And give importance to taking break. Schedule everything accordingly so that your vacation will not affect the results in your job. But sometimes it is also important to discover the freedom of no schedules. I know it might sound less wise, but come on, we are not on a rat race, we are not robots, we should not be. What we must focus on is self-growth, not winning. And self-growth doesn't happen if there is no self to grow. So take care of yourself. Teach yourself the fact that some things can wait. Yeah, some things can really wait. Take on only as much as you can do without hurting yourself. The checklist I gave earlier is for you to do a self-check now and then. But the moment you realize that there is something off, you don't even need a checklist to know that you need a break. The very idea of balancing is extremely personal. What works for you may not work for another. What works for me may not work for you. So generalizing is not the right way to talk about it. It is to do just enough to float your boat. Beat work or self-care, just do enough. Too much of either can be unproductive and with negative effects. Trust your instincts and intuitions. No one other than you can know how you feel about something. So trust your gut when it says, give me a break. But then don't indulge too much in taking breaks, although it is less likely because we definitely do need to work and be in touch with our working skills. So that they don't get washed away. The next question goes, dealing with a narcissist, when to break away, till what point shall we try to fix and give chances? Now, this is a very interesting question. I have to admit that it got me curious, but I did not ask the person why this question came about. And I also did not, uh, you know, poke my nose into their life. But here's what I can tell you. Narcissists or people with narcissistic personality disorder are one of the most difficult types of people to handle or live with. It is because they are very resistant to change and no matter what you do, it is highly unlikely that you can bring in any considerable change in their personality. Now, a relationship is not about changing the other person. Of course, it is not about making them uh, be in a shape that you can accept. But when it comes to a relationship with a narcissist, if they do not change, the, there is a high probability that you will change or you will lose yourself in the process of changing. A narcissist, it could be a romantic partner, a spouse, a friend, a parent or a colleague. They are formed from several different kinds of causes, but regardless of that, their level of emotional quotient, ability to empathize or sympathize, 
and sometimes even to love you is extremely low. They are naturally selfish. They do not yield to any attempts for fixing because unlike in other personality disorders where the affected person is not aware of his or her disorder most of the time, narcissists are often very much aware of their traits. Most and physically abusive people are narcissists of various levels. A relationship with a narcissist, be it of any nature, is downright difficult. It involves a lot of conditions and a lot of uh, negative, toxic aspects and it evolves into a toxic relationship requiring you to dance to their whims. This area is a vast topic and since this episode is a Q&A, I have to stick to answering the question. So when you deal with a narcissist, trust your instincts. Trust your gut when it blares a warning sign. Sometimes ditching the narcissist in your life is not possible. It could be someone you have to be with, someone you have to keep in your life. But everything has a threshold beyond which you could be risking your life. And one of the most uh, common problem in a narcissist relationship is that we or the victim often doesn't know the other person is a narcissist, even if they do. So, when you deal with a narcissist in your relationship, a lot is at stake including your mental health and sometimes safety. You should break away when you feel this is not right. Of course, narcissists have special talents in dragging you back into their melodrama. They would gaslight you, take you for granted, revel in your fear and the moment you try to break off, they will sense it and start targeting your sympathy and guilt centers, pulling you back into the vortex of puppetry. It can be seemingly endless, but the truth is, you can recognize it early. The key is to educate yourself of their signs and be aware of such personalities and what they can do to you. Read up from authentic sources. Giving chances and trying to fix them are barely going to make things better for you because of their extreme resistance to change and self-centered nature. And add to it all the insecurities, doubts and guilt that they have bestowed on you. I would advise to give yourself the chance to live while you are still mentally and physically healthy rather than giving them chances. Walk away the moment you feel something is not right in your relationship. It's not worth your time and effort and other stays to try fixing a narcissist. Walk away before they have too much on you. Walk away before you no longer have the courage to. If you knew to ask this question, you probably know that your life is best without a narcissist in it. You most probably know that chances are for those who are willing to change and narcs are the most unlikely to want that. Question number four is, how do you control overthinking? Now this question brought a smile to my face. 
who doesn't overthink well yeah i do i know a lot of the time and a lot of people do that too a little is fine but let's break it down overthinking which is most often along the lines of catastrophizing is basically a cognitive distortion we all have some kind of cognitive distortion to put it in simpler words it is just a distorted or false understanding of things around us cognitive distortions could be related to our personality or the experiences we have had or the things we have internalized and learned or it could be related to psychological disorders like anxiety disorders depression obsessive compulsive personality disorder or ocd now don't panic because psychological problems often have a host of other symptoms as well so overthinking or catastrophizing catastrophizing the term comes from the word catastrophe so It is a process that involves assuming the worst case scenario almost always in everything. I said it already. They are assumptions, not proved theories or facts. They stem from your insecurities, worries, and fears. The first step therefore is to recognize the root cause of your overthinking. For that, you obviously need to realize that you are overthinking. Okay now it has become a verb. So now how can that be done? We will do a small self check here. Ask yourself these questions to know if you do overthink. How often do you worry about things that you are not sure of? How often do you get carried away or distracted by thoughts that border on negative outcomes? How often do you assume things about other people from their responses or lack of it or anticipate the worst as the outcome of something you have done How often have you been wrong or disrupted from your regular work and functioning If it is too much you might be nursing an anxiety disorder which needs professional help so get screened But if it is not that disruptive of your day-to-day life but then hampers your self-confidence, let's consider rooting out your cause, the insecurities, fears and assumptions you have by default. So, a little chat with a counselor or mental health professional, a few sessions with them can help you sort it out. The final question is how to better your emotional well-being. Emotional well-being is subjective and still part of mental health. The topic is too vast for a single answer, but here are a few points that you can work towards in order to better your emotional well-being. This includes and is applicable to various aspects of life including personal growth, relationships, family, work, leisure, etc. So here we go. 1. Acceptance. I have a whole episode on it, episode 4 to be precise. Learn the art of acceptance. To know more about this point, please consider tuning into episode 4 of this podcast and 
Now on to the second point, prioritize properly. I cannot stress this enough because it decides how you spend your time and how you feel about it later. It is about what is important to you as a person. This is very, very important. Third point is take your time to heal. Life isn't all roses. There are thorns, of course. So when they prick you, take your time to heal. Do what it needs to heal yourself, which brings up the next step. Or do not hesitate to seek help. Some of you might need just some moral and emotional support from your family or friends, but some of you do not have a proper support system in your personal life. You might have to seek therapy and through counseling for that. Therapy is cool. Take it if you need help sorting out your emotions or anything that troubles you. Fifth point is be kind to yourself. Stop self-blame. We are so wired to blame ourselves so often. Practice little habits that boost your confidence, self-esteem and self-worth. I would recommend journaling your thoughts and emotions to get in tune with yourself. The sixth point is practice gratitude. It can rewire the way you think and it consequently how you feel. This doesn't mean that you cannot feel what you feel. For example, if you are feeling grief or if you are uh, struggling with depression or anxiety, you have every right to feel that way. You get to, you have to seek help, but validate your feelings, but at the same time, practice gratitude. Most often, therapists would assign a task for you to do that involves gratitude. It could be journaling, it could be just something uh, that involves meditation, things like that. So the point is, even when you practice gratitude, it is not about stopping what you feel or it is not about uh, thinking that you are not supposed to feel this way. No, gratitude is not supposed to bring in guilt. You can feel whatever you feel, but you can practice gratitude alongside just to get better. Seventh point is give importance to physical health. Many health conditions bring on mental exhaustion and psychosomatic diseases alongside it. Pay attention to your body. Give it the care, exercise and attention it needs. Take medical treatment for your physical ailments. Make sure you eat healthy. If you are unable to live a lifestyle that is optimal for your physical health, it most probably points to emotional problems. Seek necessary help in that case. The final point I have to offer is, every once in a while, take a break and do something you love. Do something you love every day, even if it is for a few minutes. Shut the world out for some time every day, if possible, or at least every week for a day or two. Log out of social media and take some time to introspect, refocus and revive. Self-care includes both physical and emotional aspects. Get some of both. I hope these points are helpful in some way. Feel free to share some of your own.
to wind up, we are what our minds are. We are not just the physical build, the appearance, the skin and hair or whatever passes both as the tangible visible aspects of us as a person. Mental health was never given due importance and seriousness as physical health was. The stigma still continues to unbelievable extents although a lot of movement is happening in this field nowadays. The truth is, owing to the nature of it getting too complicated and weathered down to the point of becoming our second nature, messing up our lives, welcoming apparently causeless physical diseases and tethering a person to chronic states of an uncontrollable mind and worst of all, pushing people to take their own lives in desperate, helpless, hopeless moments without adequate support. Mental health needs serious attention. It needs care. Mental health care has to be normalized. Schools need to educate students about it. Universities and workplaces need to make it a priority in their institutions. Talking about it has to be normalized. Awareness has to be spread so that when someone talks about it, others can empathize with them, guide them to take necessary steps and help them to fight their demons. We need to stop hushing mental disorders and emotional needs. Healthcare has to be inclusive of mental health without borders and discriminations. The mind is as much a part of us as our head, torso and limbs are, as much as our heart, lungs and gut are. If you ever feel overwhelmed or think that something is wrong, don't hesitate to talk about it. Reach out for help. And yes, sometimes it's not easy because of the fear of being judged. The only thing that the society will not judge is something that has been normalized in it. So let's work together towards normalizing mental health care and talking about it. Let's start conversations on it as often as possible. So until we meet again, take care, love yourself, reach out if you need help. Talk about how you feel whenever you feel things are getting ahead of yourself and encourage others to do the same. Bye.